Welcome back to Blended. I'm joined by another amazing panel of guests today, and we're talking about ageism. When it comes to the spectrum of topics in the DEI world, it's not the most talked about. So I'm really looking forward to opening it up today to hearing what our panel has to say and to learning something new. So welcome to Brendan, Rebecca, Lavinia, Lisa, and Leona, who are going to share their thoughts and insights with us today. I appreciate you all for joining us and opening up your hearts and your minds to this discussion today. So let's get started with introductions. Can you tell me uh, who you are, what you do, and how you identify? Lisa, we're going to start with you. Hi, good morning. I identify as she, her, um, Caucasian mom of three, married for... 30 years with uh, three boys, and I'm a supply chain manager by day, and on my spare time, I help uh, champion women back to work to uh, present their value, know their value, and grow their value as the founder of Propelled by Possibility. Awesome. I love that. Plus, you're Canadian, which is great. <laughs> um, and, uh, next up is Lavinia. Hey everyone, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Sarah, for the invitation. Um, so I identify as she, her. I'm a twin. Um, that's a big thing for me. And um, my, I'm British. I'm actually British Jamaican, meaning that I'm born and bred British, but my heritage is from the beautiful Caribbean islands of Jamaica. Um, I'm Afro. Uh, British Caribbean, so Caribbean, Jamaica. Um, I'm also Scorpio <laughs> and I'm from, I was born in a wonderful place called Nottinghamshire. Most people will know about it because of the legend of Robin Hood. And um, I am the founder and host of a platform called Women in Blockchain Talks, which is all about amplifying the voices of women. And so ageism definitely touches on that uh, conversation or touches on that that area of DEI. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Brendan. Hello, and thanks for uh, the invitation, Sarah. I'm Brendan Dawson. I'm the founder and CEO of Accident Plan. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a, a white, late, middle-aged American man. Uh, I'm also uh, the father of teenagers, and I'm one of the very last of the baby boomer generation. Are you? I am. <laughs> awesome. Born in, awesome. Uh, born in 1963, so uh, right. right on the cusp of that. Born oh. to, uh, born to the what I believe is the last generation to actually physically understand sacrifice. So. Interesting. Okay. That's my That's perspective gonna be... on, uh, on age and ageism. Got it. Got it. Well, welcome. And thanks for being here. Leona. Hi, my name is Leona Thomas. Um, I identify as she, her, and, um, you know, I, as I've, uh, mentioned before, I'm, my, my identities are very much a complex set of, of different things. So I'm a, a lesbian grandmother. Um, I've helped raise six kids over the years and, and have three grandkids and very proud and very happy to do that, as well as a whole circle of community of friends who, who, have, who are not, they're family. They are truly family for me and, and was raised with and, and the beneficiary of that sort of concept of chosen family. And I think it's a really important thing uh, to do. Um, in terms of, of my uh, racial makeup, I am mixed race, uh, half black and, and half Scottish. 
um, uh, and also I'm LGBTQ and, and part of a number of communities and been a community activist for many, many years in, in all of those and fighting for the rights for everyone. So ageism is, is to me is just one more thing that we should be keeping our eyes on and, and making sure that everybody has an opportunity to to flourish and to be who they are. And you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, you help raise everybody's bows by helping raise everybody together and, and, and you know, building as you climb. And then also uh, professionally, I do business transformation and change, uh, strategic management consulting, um, but I also picked up, as some would say, a side hustle, which I started doing um, uh, investments in, in strategic man and management consulting working with women and minorities in underserved communities uh, actually to start their own businesses and be able to build their own businesses and through. And so up to date, I actually helped invest in and build directly uh, over uh, eight companies um, directly and then um, have been indirectly through a lot of the new uh, Reg CF and other uh, investment organizations that have come up for non-accredited investors to be able to leverage that as well. So awesome. Um, awesome. It's, a, it's, a, it's a full life. It's a great life. And, um, and looking forward to this conversation. Right? Me too. I mean, we're already getting lively. All right, Rebecca, last but not least, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you identify. Good morning or afternoon, everybody. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on. My name is Rebecca Garcia Malone. Um, I My pronouns are she and her. I am married to my wife now going on five years. I am the proud mama of two fur, fur babies. And um, I professionally um, work in the maritime um, marine salvage and emergency response industry. Um, and I also um, am volunteer as the chairwoman of the American Salvage Association's Education Committee, which strives to really educate uh, students and, and young adults about the various career opportunities that exist in the maritime industry, um, an industry that's really under um, under recognized, I, I would think, in, in common culture. And so we try to kind of highlight some some avenues where passions and maritime align. And I, I've got a lot of passion and, and uh, motivation for that. So thanks so much. Awesome. Well, I am super excited for this conversation. So I think we just need to dive in. So I don't want to cast any aspirations on anybody's age here today, even though Brendan has uh, already shared over the year that he was born. But has anybody on the panel experienced ageism firsthand? What was that experience? Where was it? Not naming any names, but can you give us sort of the maybe the size of the business or industry, for example, to see if we can identify any cultural patterns? Who who wants to start? I will. Okay, go ahead, Brendan. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I had to really think about this for a while because, uh, as you might expect, um, most kinds of discrimination I don't have a, a lot of experience with. So I had to really think about it and look into my own life and see uh, where ageism occurs. And then I realized we see it every day and we see it in our own house. Um, and it's because we live with teenagers. And, and you think about this for a minute. Uh, I don't know if anybody here has lived with teenagers before, but at my dinner table, there's, there's nobody smarter than the, than the oldest teenager and nobody dumber than a boomer at my table. And I'll, I'll suggest to the panel that the parent-child relationship is the origin of ageism in our society. So let me ask you a quick question before I go to Lavinia. Um, what do you, how does the phrase okay boomer sit with you? Well, at first it was pretty insulting uh, because it because the the implication is that 
the the perspective is outdated. And the truth is, um, the thing about age is, that is an ageism that is different than all other forms of discrimination is that aging, if we're lucky, happens to all of us. Right. And uh, so we're going to carry that experience. So at first it was pretty insulting, but then I thought, you know what? That's my badge of honor. I earned every crease, every wrinkle, every gray hair, every hair that stayed on the pillow when I got up in the morning. Uh, I've earned it through my experience. And if, uh, if there's a younger generation out there that has something to learn from me, I'm more than open and willing to able to help people. Um, and if you don't, well, that's fine. Best of luck. You change your mind, you know where to find me. Well, thank you for sharing that. And a lot of times with these episodes, it does, uh, individuals do reflect it and take time to really think about some of these questions and some of the things that we're going to talk about. So I'm glad that you did that. And thank you for answering the OK Boomer. That was not part of the questions that I had prepared. But I did want to ask that because when I saw that phrase, I was insulted and mm -hmm. I thought that it was insulting and I still do think that it's insulting and I think that people are making fun of it. I just don't think that that's okay for, you know, any generation to be mocked for any, any sort of reason. And so thank you very much for sharing that. Lavinia. All right. I just want to touch on what you're saying there. You know, I, I'm not saying it's how it is now, but I was brought up in a culture where you have to respect your elders, where that knowledge yes. is safe. Mm -hmm. You know, I would never turn around to anyone who was older than me, and there's not much, even though it wouldn't, well, there's, I, I wouldn't say there's much age difference from what the year you was born, Brendan, from the year that I was born. Um, but ultimately, you know, you you respect people who are older than you, have had more knowledge, and you learn from them, and you just show respect. Um, respect maketh a man or a woman, if you want. Um, okay, so my my situation, you know, I, I, I've been quite fortunate in the sense that I've not really experienced a lot of ageism in the typical sense, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as well, Sarah, based on what we discussed before we went live with the recording. But, you know, I'm of a certain age, and most people are surprised when they know that age. And so, um, yes... I'm probably older in the crowd, but they don't think I'm that much older, right? But I am. And I've had people say to me, I was really surprised at your assertiveness. And then um, when they realized how old it was, it's like, oh, that's why, you know? <laughs> There's an element of confidence that comes with age, right? That you wouldn't expect from someone who maybe looks younger, um, and that's quite an interesting one for me. So that's not that's number one. Number two, when um, I was working at a company, again, it's not important what the company was, and there wasn't that many women there, right? And I took it upon myself to bring more women into the company. And one of the the, the people that I brought in, or the women I brought in, was some years younger, um, and it changed dynamics. Uh, the the people you know, who were in power, so to speak, were all men. And it seemed to me, I cannot say actually, but it seemed to me that some of them took a liking or one in particular took a liking. And then that person was amplified above everybody else. And they were giving perks. And when I questioned it, you know, it was a case of, 
you're jealous, you know? Um, and I just kind of felt to myself, there was other factors, but ultimately I did make a complaint about ageism because I felt like because she was deemed young and, a, and looked a certain way, opportunities were given that were not given to other the other women who were of ethnic minority and older, you know? Yeah, and so- that... That goes to that goes to bias, but it also shows, and I'm really glad that you shared that because it also goes to show that ageism mm-hmm. isn't just because people are older, mm. but it also can happen to people who are younger as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no, Leona. So actually, I was going to say, sort of building on what you said about biases, right? I mean, so there's a there's a number of things where people make a lot of uh, biases and assumptions based on age. And Lavinia, like you, my age often gets underestimated until I say that I'm a lesbian grandmother or I'm a grandmother, and then all of a sudden it goes ten years over where I'm at, um, <laughs> which is mid fifties, right? Mm-hmm. And and so one of the things is, you know, for even out when people are talking about how to help people who are in the job market or looking for things or or potentially for for um, promotions and things, you're often actually encouraged to drop off part of your your, res, your experience to make you look younger. And there's right. a bias to you able to get in. Also, I've, I've been in technology since I was in junior high. Um, I actually was the chief architect for, for a company called SA Investments. I was a chief architect for a number of things. I have built major global complex uh, systems. And, and like I said, there's, there's not a piece of technology I haven't touched at some point in my life or some type of which um, and actually, I've had people assume that I didn't under- do, understand how to do something as simple as use Facebook. I'm like, I've built systems more complex than right. Facebook. And, <laughs> and, and it was just an assumption and a bias. And it sort of became a joke. But the reality is there's an assumption that if you're of a certain age, you don't understand how to use this stuff. It's like, well, while you were still looking at, you know, no matter what you are, HR, while most people were still sort of thinking like it, like what technology might be, I was having my hands on it and on an everyday basis and building complex things for businesses and doing new innovation. And I still do it on an everyday basis today. Like, don't assume. And it really comes down to we all need to learn to stop assuming that there's a particular characteristic that automatically means something else inside of you. And I think that's that's really the message, whether it's ageism, whether it's it's racial, whether it is, you know, where you're coming from, your your sexuality, all of these things are why are we have these biases that sort of assume who someone is until we take the time to get to know who they are. And but they are prevalent throughout you know, our entire cultures, right? This isn't one person or another person. These are cultural biases that that are throughout. And we've got to figure out how to get people to stop sort of depending on the biases and the assumptions and actually get to know each other. It's true. It's true. And one of the things that you said is that we have to take off some of our experience off of resumes. And I remember watching the show Younger. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's on Prime. I really enjoyed the show, but she had to pretend to be 25 instead of 40 to get a job in publishing. And but they they made that into something that was mainstream right? And so people think that that's what you need to do because even our television shows are telling us that that's what we need to do. And so, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up as well. Rebecca, From a, as the youngest person on this panel, you know, can you talk about maybe what you've seen in ageism from your standpoint? 
Sure. So, of course, as as your token millennial uh, on on the panel today, of course, I've I've experienced a lot of ageism firsthand from the younger end of the spectrum. Um, but as a working professional, I've also experienced it upon my colleagues um, who who are are more seasoned or elder, you know, older than I am. Um, you know, it was funny. We're talking about this, and I'm reminded uh, some years back I was asked to speak at a um, a, a WISTA annual general meeting. For those who don't know, WISTA is Women in Ship, uh, Ship Women in Shipping and Trading um, Association, and and um, my topic was how to capitalize on their time. And I spoke specifically on how to capitalize on younger generations, on the millennial, on the Gen Z generations. And one of the the things that really got the audience eyes to open, I, I kind of opened with a quote and I just come across it and kind of preparing for this presentation. The quote was, I see no hope for the future of our people if they are dependent upon the frivolous youth of today. Can anybody guess when that was say, said, stated? I have no idea. Eighth, I'm sorry? I guess 1933. 8th century BC. Wow. 8th century BC. So, so ageism is just ingrained in culture, right? From before any of us were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes, it existed. And, and then, of course, you know, to your uh, you know, earlier points, we see it even now in the home. Um, and we see it, you know, the millennial generation, right? We're the mass murderers. We're the ones who killed Applebee's. We killed, you know, uh, fabric softener. We killed, killed the home phone line. And we get criticized for all of these different things, whether it be, you know, cultural products or even social norms. Um, speaking specifically to a case that I experienced in terms of ageism, this was just a few weeks back. I had a customer of mine um, say, you know, hey, Rebecca, I'd like your team kind of assigned us the project to develop a shipboard marine firefighting curriculum for their crew um, on, on board their ships traveling around the world. And so I immediately went to two of my colleagues, one of whom is a very experienced uh, firefighter, shipboard firefighter, um, who's with us. He's our lead technician and and I uh, submitted my res his resume to the to my client and said listen this is one of the instructors you've got to have for this um, and he looked at the resume and he saw over 50 years 50 years of professional emergency medic marine firefighting experience and said no 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 we're looking for somebody who's more operational who will board this vessel and and I said uh, sir this is the guy who I just sent out to one of your vessels burning off the U.S. West Coast a few months back and helped your crew extinguish a fire in the engine room. He is experienced, and that's why we trust him with the lives of our own people. His age is nothing. Actually, his age has provided us and his experience has provided us to be one of, you know, a leader in the industry as a result of, of this. So, um, you know, how do I combat that? I combat that with facts, I think, and, and showing capability over this perceived notion that that he should he's not capable enough to, to combat a fire or even train personnel. Um, I, yeah. I guess it's a lot in a nutshell there, but we see no. it everywhere and, and it's ingrained in society. That, that, no, that was great. And I appreciate you for sharing that story because, you know, it's it's a wonder why people are hesitant on what to put on their resume 
and how to fill out a resume and how to apply for a job when you have all of that experience because you're afraid of biases that are coming from absolutely everywhere. And it's not just ageism. Lisa, what have you seen? I don't know if you've come across this in your own life or potentially working with mothers that are looking to return back to the workplace. Yeah, so I appreciate everybody's comments. And I think one thing that kind of goes along with the ageism theme is abilityist. Like, what are your abilities? And I think Leona touched on it and Rebecca touched on it. And I myself experienced it when I went back to work, I think, like I was out of work for 12 years, went back to work, and I was fortunate to find a company that had an excellent training program. And so, you know, they they enabled us, gave us the tools to overcome, you know, the lack, maybe the lack of ability immediately. So you were able to jump in, you were able to get trained. I mean, it's going to sound funny, but they even went into such detail as how to use the technology in the office, like the fax machine. Um how to jump in and use SAP, like, and I, and it goes back to where Leona said, where, you know, you don't lose these skills. You've had these skills maybe many years ago, and you just may need a tiny refresher. And so if you can get away from that ageism label and that abilities label, and you have a proper company that recognizes, you know, like you said, your experience and your knowledge, and you're able to get into that company and jump in and have the support, it it's, makes a huge difference. I mean, myself, I experienced it. And I think that's kind of where moms kind of get caught up. They're like, oh, I'm not sure of my ability, but you have the ability. You've always had the ability. <laughs> you just need to find the fit uh, that will enable you to grow with that ability. I think that's that's a huge thing along with ageism is ability. Yeah. And I think part of that, like you always talk about, Lisa, is transferable skills. And I think, you know, no matter what age that you are, no matter what experience that you've had in life, you have transferable skills from the experiences that you've had. And being able to showcase that and being able to trump maybe an ageism card over what you've experienced and what you can bring to the table should be part of that conversation. Now, Brendan, I want to go to you because you are a CEO of a company, right? And you you hire people time to time or yes. you have a you have an hr department i don't know do you have an hr department okay no we're pretty we're 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 a, we're a small operation and growing but okay. yes um i mean bringing people on and having people on the team is an important part of what we do so well and i'm, I'm sure you know throughout your career you've also hired and you know fired, hired many many people fired many many people yes right of a variety of ages and so what have you seen from an ageism standpoint? Is Why is age in, ageism an issue when, you know, right now we're talking about knowledge, we're talking about experience, we're talking about wisdom. But, you know, some organizations look at it, the fact that they're retiring soon. So less return on investment, you know, potential for illness or time off, maybe, you know, most more self-assured and less likely to work extra long hours less likely to travel because they've got family ties or commitment. I mean, these are all things that tie tolerance for petty office bullshit. Fire. Yeah. So talk yeah, to we me do, about we, we, we do. Well, there's, there's, there's facts. There are some facts that go along with aging and unlike other forms of discrimination, the, the, there are some truths to the matter. We don't move so fast. 
we're not so we lose our flexibility. We I, I'm getting shorter as I get older. My eyesight, my hearing isn't what as good. What does shorter to have to do with your experience? <laughs> it's so just, I'm, gonna, it's I, I'm those, actually, Brennan, I'm going to challenge those, and I'm going to give you a, a personal experience from that. My grandmother uh, was, um, you know, was in business, was in teaching, raised several kids, had to get out, ran her own business for a while. And then she decided she wanted to go back to teaching. And she, in her late 50s, went back and uh, because they had changed the requirements, she was she went back into teaching, but she had to get her master's. And she worked her way through at night in her late 50s, early 60s. And then she taught remedial reading in a junior high in an inner city public school junior high until she was 78. You know what? Most people in any age couldn't handle inner city remedial reading junior high at any age. And she was doing it at almost 80. So like, like right. take all the assumptions out. She had to keep up with them. She had to go through. Like, this is what I said about like, let's stop going in with the assumptions and labeling huge categories of people based on that. With the exception of shrinking, the rest of it is, is really not. There are people out there who I know in their 80s, 70s and 80s and 90s running marathons and 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 oh, out yeah. on the water rowing and stuff that you know would put many of us to shame because they're in a different shape than we are right so absolutely. i think we just need to take those biases and throw them off the table i absolutely i agree with you uh, the biases do have to go off the table um there's there's some you know there's 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 some limited facts it could be an argument the a statistical argument could be made that we cost more and Bear in mind, I'm really glad I'm not trying to re-enter the job market, and there's no signs of me having to do that any time soon. Um, but and you're right, you're right. There are people who can exceed those complications, but the biases are are there. Um, and I've lost track of your original question, Sarah. It has to do with uh, the uh, the biases. I mean, I've had people, I've hired old people. Uh, I've hired some of the best drivers uh, I've ever hired were in their 70s. And then and then we had to stop working with them once they became uninsurable at 80 or so. And then uh, last summer, I had a person on my development team who was 18. Uh, a young, very bright, very mature young man who uh, I would stand up in any meeting with any other senior development team. Um, and my disadvantage there is I lost him in the fall because he had to go back to college. Right. So the biases are there and we have to challenge the biases all at all at all moments. We always have to challenge biases. And so there's there's some limited factual information. I mean, yeah, we do age and there are uh, there are factors associated with age. But the people what they don't what the what the the people who are biased against older people don't understand is that if they're lucky they'll be facing the same biases. And we, don't, we don't see that going forward. Everybody gets one chance to be young. Not everybody gets a chance to be old. And when you do get to that, that old, you've, you've earned some cred credibility and you Absolutely. have to carry that with you. And, and so uh, that's, what, that's what the people who hold those biases against older people 
don't understand. So Lavinia, just real quick, um, talking like just going back to what Brendan was saying as far as biases. So we all like there's biases for all sorts of reasons, right? But when we think about ageism, everybody is going to come up against those same biases because we all get older, mm. regardless of race, regardless of <laughs> religion, regardless of sexuality, we're all going to get older at some point. So this is actually a conversation about biases that everybody mm -hmm. as they age is actually potentially likely to experience, right? Lavinia? Yeah, definitely. But it's all contextual. Well, first of all, you know, I think it's how you present yourself because, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but it's like you class yourself as old. I'm old. Like, I just do not class my, I know I'm getting older, but I do not class myself as old. You know, my energy is high. I don't know, I'm not gonna say I have as much energy as I did when I was younger, or I can run as faster as the 18 year old. But in so many other ways, like my energy that is Lavinia is very vibrant. I'd rather be vibrant than young, you know? Um, what does young actually mean? You can be young, and unhealthy and you know you just you think young vitality not everybody who's young has vitality there's many people who are going into their 40s 50s and they're saying you know I'm not gonna get old I'm not looking to just slow down and just be I want to live my best life now and they're going to work out and that some of them say they're the fittest they've ever been in their life and they're older so to me what we're talking about age but age uh, is so intrinsically linked to youth and what is representative of youth but there are some people who are getting older who are embracing the vitality of youth so to speak um so age, that's, that's age is just a number right exactly age is just a number and i mean like in in like within some contexts it isn't, but generally speaking, age is nothing but numbers. The, the limitations we put on ourselves. And also if you are entrepreneurial, like you are, Brandon, then of course you decide what you're gonna do. You create your own table. It's when you're just going into the workplace and you know people want to box you in and as you stated, put those biases on you. Um, but I am an entrepreneur. And the other thing, like I work in blockchain, which is, about decentralization and it's about bringing your knowledge and your experience and someone was touching or I think you was talking about um tran uh, transferable skills it's so relevant to the blockchain space and I think what I love about blockchain and decentralization is I just feel like there is a space for people to come in um and not necessarily remove the biases but be kind of like defiant of the biases that's what I would say defiant collaborate collaborate well, a little bit more right and i'd like to i'd like to touch on something lavinia said and i agree with with almost everything uh, and yes i do refer to myself as old but what i want you to understand lavinia is that for me it's a badge of honor mm. I'm, it's all, I'm, it's all in I'm proud of it i'm not i'm not nobody on this panel should have any shame about their identity or who they are and I'm I'm the same. I'm I am old and I'm proud of it. So yeah, and it's all what... about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about how we perceive that. And so mm -hmm. somebody's bias about the the word old could mm -hmm. mean one thing, and somebody's 
perspective on how they view themselves with while using that word old, you know, means a badge of honor like it does for you, Brendan. Leona, I saw you come up off mute. You want to jump in here? So I actually wanted to sort of uh, say, I think part of it is reshaping the conversation a little bit because you actually said something, Sarah, which was all of us are going to face that age, that bias of age. And really, actually, we should all be working so that, that people aren't having that to face don't. that bias. Yes. Yes. It's the so same true. thing with being LGBTQ. It's the same thing with being, you know, different in some other way. The whole, the, the, the whole thing is let's make it a place where people are acceptable for who they are. Yeah. Right? And, and as long as we say, well, you're going to face this or you're, you, you should expect that or this is the way it is, then we don't actually bring that message in. And to me, that's the most important part of the message is we yeah. may all get older, hopefully, but we shouldn't have to assume we're going to face biases because of it. We should be hel helping people embrace who they are and get to know each other and get to know and accept that people are all different. And we're all bringing benefits and challenges along the way. And, you know, we should all leverage the benefits and help each other deal with the challenges. And, it is and so true. It's so. so true. And it's like you got a copy yeah. of the script before we had this discussion, because that's a really great segue <laughs> into the next section of this conversation, because we want to learn from our experiences, right? So what can we do better to support people as they move through their careers and ensure that at every stage, it's working well for everybody. I'm gonna start with Lisa on this one because you do work with mothers getting back into the workforce and support at any age and for whatever reason is really, really, really important. Yeah, so I found it interesting. I kind of dug in and did a little bit of um, educating of myself and ageism. And there's like three levels that we're dealing with. Those are the micro level at the individual level, the meso level at the social network level, and the macro level at the institutional and cultural level. Well, I think we've got to promote a, a cultural of companies not being able to look away, like being able to provide that safe environment and that feeling of belonging, which is where I think you're going, Sarah, with, with your comments. So for myself, when I went back to work, the, one of the most important things of all that training that was uh, provided for me, thankfully, was the job shadowing. So I was job shadowing, at the time I was in my early 40s and I was job shadowing individuals who were, you know, early 20s. And that's, you know, that's kind of an uncomfortable place to be in, but I was so super thankful that I had that opportunity because I just went around and said to each of them, you know, what's the one thing that you do that makes your job easier for you? And I was able to take away little tidbits from each of those individuals and then build it into my day to make me more successful. So I think providing that cultural of um, belonging and safety is huge. I, that's what I would contribute to, um, you know, being there for others and trying to get them through. It's that social part of it, right? Yeah. I think on an individual level. Yeah, absolutely. And then Rebecca, you spoke up the other day for somebody who was going to be dismissed for ageism because of his 50 years experience or whatever. So what, like, how, how would you tell somebody to find their voice and support somebody that might be going through that? Sure. I, you know, I think, I think like with everything in life, it's lead by example, right? So whether it's an age-based thing or, or gender or sexual orientation or race, you know, it, I think we all have to find and obtain uh, the courage to be able to say, you know, no, 
you need to look at, for example, my colleague, his capability, not his number of years. Um, and I think capability is really a, a very strong word that kind of speaks to this, right? How do we learn from experiences? Rather than looking at somebody and making an assumption about their age or looking at their resume and, and seeing decades of, of actual work experience and then having some you know, bias based on, on that, looking at capability of an individual. The same would be true for gender, right? The same would be true for, for, for anything else. Looking at somebody's capability and honing on that, whether it be developing it or maximizing it as an opportunity, I think is, is something that we both need to, we need to all look at in implementing both in the workplace and at home, right? In, in cultural um, uh, societal norms, if you will. Um, and I think I think finding our voice is really important too. Oh, I mean, incredibly if, important. If you see it happening, if it's part of the conversation and you're there and you're hearing it, you know, um, speaking up and you know, saying no, I don't really necessarily agree with that, and I here's the reasons why. And kudos to you for doing that in that particular scenario a couple of weeks ago, because there's a lot of people that wouldn't do that. But I think we need more individuals who will do that and who will step up. Um, and do that. I mean, I'll give you an example. So I was a director of sales and this is not from me speaking up. I actually had a bias at the time and my CEO had hired an older gentleman for my sales team and he didn't know how to use LinkedIn. He, you know, he, there was a lot of things that he didn't use because he's never had to use that in sales, right? It was all very, you know, stopping off and going into businesses and getting business cards and very manual, you know, kind of that old school mentality and process of, of sales. And I can tell you, I had a few biases, right? Because I was like, this guy isn't going to use LinkedIn. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to help right? Because I was thinking that being online and being more visible online was really going to help, you know, elevate him and his personal brand and help him get sales and things like that. And so I even had a personal bias. I mean, we're going back about six years ago. Um, and I would be the first one to say that and I shouldn't have had that bias. You know what I mean? And it's conversations like this and it's conversations about bringing these subjects to life and talking about it and encouraging people to find their voices or looking within and thinking about what we've been through or how we've thought about different scenarios and you know things like that where we actually are gonna make an impact and we're gonna make a change and moving into that world that Leona was talking about earlier of how do we create that space of belonging and you know, less bias. I know that none of us are in the HR department and none of us, I don't think, have any experience in HR, but I think it's important that we think about it from an organizational standpoint as to, you know, what policies and procedures do we need to have in place to make sure that we cut out the biases, especially what, because we're talking about ageism today. Leona, you came off mute. Do you want to? So actually, I was just going to say something. Well, I, I actually, uh, in the process of, of helping run a, a couple startups and stuff um, and helping build them up in the large organizations have uh, functioned as and have been our HR group. So good. Okay. Uh, Tell I, us I what you know. <laughs> <in there. So. laughs> 
So, so tell us what you know. What do, what do you think so, about I policies mean, I, I and think... procedures, how things are going in HR? Because really, at the end of the day, when you get a resume across your desk, it's usually to the HR department, and they're deciding who goes through and who doesn't, as far as I know. So I think there's it's it's a number of things, right? And and no, when they've got a complex problem, there's never any one single uh, issue. Um, you know, often the non-discrimination policies and and the um, are are written based on you know the the rules and regulations around where they're where companies are operating and they tend to reflect whatever their states are or their companies are or whatever. But the companies that do really, really well, who are the ones who also include making sure you have much broader definitions of non-discrimination and they include things like not only LGBTQ, but maybe ageism and other things in yeah. there. But you know, policies and procedures can only go so far. It has to be built into the culture and you actually have to reinforce it. And if you get someone who's behaving in, in incorrectly, whether that's because, you know, they have a bias against someone who is older or younger or, you know, from a different area or whatever. If you don't have people reinforcing and calling them out on it and sort of holding them to account, you know, even though you're your best salesperson, you, you can't let it go because then it just sort of, it, it just sort of propagates through the entire uh, organization and becomes sort of like that piece of paper doesn't matter because you're not, you're not actually living to the values that you, you've written for. The other thing is, and I heard Rebecca say it earlier, which is, You've got as a leader, you know, live your live those values yourself. You have to demonstrate them day in and day out. And as soon as you are outside of that, somebody will notice. They may not call you on it, but they notice. And so you have to just assume that no matter what's going on, and not just because I say it's because it's the right thing to do, not because it's it's I'm worrying about somebody else's, but but you have to be conscious of what you're showing, you're demonstrating. And, and also if you make a mistake and you unintentionally, you know, come in with a bias or you unintentionally do something that may seem like you have a bias, stop yourself and correct yourself and, and bring your own self out as an example to say, you know what, I was wrong. I, or I may have been misunderstood. It may not be, let me make sure I help clarify. I may have been misunderstood, right? Like you take that ownership and you show that leadership. And that's what really makes the difference. The policies and procedures are only there Honestly, a lot of times they get used when something happened, when something went wrong. And what you really want to do is make sure that they are they're there as guides, but they're not needed. And you don't have to go do that. It's really the culture piece that's important. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I brought up that that um, example for me, because I was like, I was totally in the wrong. I mean, you know, I had that bias. I can now recognize it and now I can do something about it. And that is, you know, for everybody in everything. And I think, like you said, with policies and procedures, we sometimes use them as crutches and that needs to, that needs to leave. That needs to be not part of the conversation. So Lavinia. Yeah. So I did I have worked in operations. I was uh, I had a position head of people, and it was a startup. And um, ultimately, it was rules and processes and procedures were in place, and it worked until it didn't. It worked until um, people who had the who had a power who had a position of leadership didn't want it to work for them. They didn't want to play by the rules because it didn't suit the agenda, you know? So that's, that. it's kind of like, uh, follow the, um, follow what I say, not what I do, right? It doesn't work like that. That's no form not of anymore. leadership. And not only that, if you are of a certain, I'm going to say it now, age, and you're, and it's not that you're scared of calling it out, but it's just your level of tolerance it's just like, I, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't sit here. And that fear is, is, or the, 
that feeling of unjustness or that feeling of this is not correct versus the feeling of fear, I'm going to lose my job. If that becomes bigger, then you cannot not say anything, you know? And so you do that. And most people will just put their head down, even if they know it's not right, put their head down because they've got to pay bills. They've got to pay the rent. They've got to keep a roof over their head. So most people won't say anything because it's just not, or they're starting their career. And this is ageism. They're starting their career. So they don't want to be labeled as difficult at the beginning of their career, right? So if you're more in the middle or, or advanced, and maybe you're used to a certain standard, then it just it will just conflicts against who you are. And you'll say something and then maybe you'll lose a job or you'll get, but like I said, the feeling is stronger than staying quiet. So to me, you have to have the processes and procedures in place, right? Because they're standard, we have laws, but people following through on it. And then when you call, call them out on it, they can twist that story. They can twist the perspective. And in regards to your question about HR, HR ultimately is there to protect the business. I always saw as people, head of people, upper, that sort of element is for the people. But HR, so head of people or people falls under HR, but HR is there to protect the business. Most laws around, um, you know, uh, or H, not HR laws, but just uh, the, the, the laws of the land regarding discrimination or what have you, ultimately, they're there to, they're there to show we are listening to the employees, but the laws really are there to protect the corporations because without the corporations, there's no income and there's no taxes and et cetera, et cetera. So I do think that they're, you know, when you stand up, you're standing up to a Goliath, generally. And um, we've seen cases, I've seen cases in the last three year, a few years, Google, a number of people walked out, you know, and there was a collective saying these procedures are not fair, or these, you know, these are discriminatory practices. Um, and they touched on different elements of isms, including age. Um, so that's my thoughts on it. And I just think that, that, that yeah, it's, it's challenging. It's very challenging to say, how do you change? Because unless you are willing to stand up and maybe support someone else's action, change is very, very slow. And you only see it many years after the damage has been done. So you have just opened my mind to what HR actually is, because HR is human resources, and I thought it was about the people, but I think you're totally right. And so you've changed my perspective on that. But then also, I think that, you know, we need to empower ourselves then to be able to speak up in a way that we can uh, stand up against some of those isms for ourselves then. Because at the end of the day, we can talk about other people standing up for us and it's great if they do. And, you know, Rebecca did that a couple of weeks ago and that's amazing. But like you said, it's going up against a Goliath. And then, so maybe the better answer is we have to empower ourselves to find the, the way to communicate and be able to get past those isms. I think, you know, Sarah, on, on that point, uh, I absolutely love what both Leona, yourself, and, and even Lavinia have said about how 
you know, your processes and procedures are just one thing, right? It's, it's an administrative on paper kind of tactical. It's, it's kind of the bumpers on the bowling ball alley, right? It's like, hey, we work within this framework, but it's actually the ball, right, that, that puts the pins down on the other end of the lane. And we are that ball. And it's, there's got to be something to be said, too. And I don't have the answer to this. I don't know that any of us have. But there's something to be said about how do you develop a culture where speaking up is acceptable, Right. Yep. And, and you've got to build that courage talking on it, talking about it on a platform like this, where we're all like minded individuals for the most part and, and share this this common you know, denominator of, of wanting to rid of all the isms is one thing. But doing it in the face of the adversity, the, the other the party actually applying those isms is very challenging. And then to also have the courage to live with the consequences of that, to speak up at the risk of losing your job, to speak up at the risk of losing friends and family. There's a whole nother level of personal development involved in this that is just so complex, it deserves its own other podcast, right? It's, yes, it does. It's, um, and there's a lot to be said. We can educate ourselves all day long. We can have the right motives and, and passions, but to actually put that out into the universe requires courage and i think that that's maybe the the systemic change that we need to see is this overwhelming sense of courage to speak for truth yeah 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 and starting with ourselves right i, I think that's that's an important like yes we need to define culture and we need to have a culture and have a safe and inclusive culture um but i think we also need to empower ourselves first because we can only really help you know ourselves before we can help other people. Um, Brendan. Well, I, I think that the conversation is less about ageism and more about bias. And uh, I think there's a lot of factors that divide us, certainly here in the United States and in North America. And really, I have Leona, you remind me of a mentor I had a long time ago in my college days who really, she was a lot like you and a professor in college and really opened my eyes about the biases I had at that time as a young man and did it in a way that that was that was eye-opening to me. And I think you've got some skill in that based on your experience and your background. So I guess I'd like to put the question to Leona, which is how do we how do we teach against bias? How do we because I come I come up with it in all my in, in conversations with people be, because I'm kind of camouflaged there, you know, even political bias, bias against blonde women, racial bias, it's all bias. So Leona, do you have do you have any tips on how to change that conversation when it comes up? So thank thanks, thanks, Brendan, for ask, asking that question. And actually. I think we actually had some really great examples even in this conversation. I'm going to point back to something I was saying it was where Rebecca spoke up for somebody, right? I mean, very often a lot of the you know biases can be both visible and, and invisible. 
Um, and, and especially if somebody's holding something and they're actually doing something that a lot of times they know isn't exactly right, they don't usually do it out in public, right? A lot of times they'll do it with the people they're most comfortable with. And so speaking up, even when you're, you may be taking a risk that you may be, you know, ticking off a family member or a friend or potentially putting your job at risk is one of the things that we can do, right? It, it's stopping and challenging each other to say, you know what, is that really based on facts? Is that based on the person in, that you're actually dealing with? Or are you making a bunch of assumptions based on something else that may have nothing to do with the person or the situation that you're that you're in? And always ourselves sort of thinking about that and checking ourselves and, and making sure, but also, again, modeling it for others and helping raise that awareness. Um, you know, one of the things I've said for many years is one of the best uh, tools that we had in terms of the LGBT community was being able to come out. But you know, that same thing about me being able to speak up and say that I am, you know, mixed race. Again, there's a lot of people who didn't have that benefit in generations prior to me that I was able to do that. I'm, I've never hidden who I am in any way, shape or form. Right. And that is and to tell you, I have paid some some licks for both along the way. Right. And and I know that that the good outweighs the, the negatives in doing that. Um, and I also know it's the right thing to do. Right. And I think as long as we all keep sort of helping reinforce that message that taking time and getting to know the individual, even though it takes more time, it takes more effort. And and, you know, it, it, it sometimes it's, you know, it, it also means that you may have to learn to get to know someone you may think you don't like. You may, It's really kind of surprising. I, I often will have sort of these dinners where I'll, I'll invite friends from all the different communities I'm in and just sit them at tables and let them sort of figure out what happens and we sort of bounce around. And I have more than once stopped and realized that, you know, I, I've spent many years working in, in finan banking, financial services, very conservative uh, organizations. Um, and I've also, you know, I've been out in the streets with some of the most radical leftist folks out there and actually at times would be considered some of them right and and i'll sit and i'll stop and i'll look and at the table you've got people from both those groups sitting right next to each other having a conversation where they found something in common and i think every time we sort of create those opportunities for people to get to know each other and to get to know and understand expand their world that helps right like, like i said no 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 complex problems get solved by a single action but there are some consistencies in being able to take that time to really embrace and also help elevate you know, people who people for who they are. I mean, strengths in one area may be a weakness in another, and vice versa. And so, don't assume that there's a, a problem, or whatever. But really, help to look and understand it, and really help to highlight and give visibility to people who seem to be not being noticed, people who seem to be being overlooked. Where you hear those sort of biases or assumptions coming from things, you know, take that time and say, you know, give people an opportunity to get to know them, and also help champion them. And that's that's on all of us to be able to help to bring that forward, and and to be able to to really to to move this ball forward for everybody because you know we get in our own way as an organ as a country you know as a as a as a global community there's so many places where we really actually hurt ourselves and if we stop and work together and understand what's going on we would all be better off for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that and I think this is kind of a full circle moment for everybody in the audience and everybody on here in the discussion is that we're all leaning in to understand and Brendan just coming to the forefront and asking that question of Leona just goes to show how important these conversations are and bringing people from different walks of life together. And so I think it starts with awareness and the only way that you can be aware is really of yourself and of your surroundings and the people that you're with and of conversations and of words. And so if you bring intentionality and you bring awareness to every situation that you're in, that's really also making an impact, whether you feel like it's a big impact or a small impact. I think the other thing is the first um, 
episode we ever did about blended, I asked somebody in the LGBTQ plus community and I said, can I ask you how you identify? And at first he said, no. And then we had a conversation about it. And then he said, no, I want you to know. So yes, you need to ask me. So I think it's about asking questions, right? But being mindful about asking those questions. And then I think, you know, having that conversation, it doesn't have to be aggressive, right? It can be nice. You can say to somebody in a nice way, you know, I don't really agree with maybe the way that you said that. Maybe we could have said it this way or, you know, something like that, right? And so I think those are different things and creating safe spaces for conversation like this. Like Leona said, we all have the ability to bring people together in our lives um, to have conversations and to talk about these different things. So hopefully that answered your question. And, and that was a great question, Brendan. Thank you for- I, I've got one for you too, Sarah. Sure. Uh, back to the uh, story of the old timer sales guy. How did that yep. story end? Um, well, unfortunately he would, he was hired right before we closed the doors. Um, so I didn't have enough time to really see where that was going, but in the interim, the way that he was, um, conducting his way of business development really did work. And he did bring some good clients on board during that time. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't know everything at that point. And again, you know, I had to check my bias after that. And for this particular conversation too, I wanted to bring an example of how, you know, I had bias and I kind of screwed up. So. You know, I think it really infers is there's always more than one way to accomplish something. Yes. And, and that's sure. part of the, the beauty of diversity, right? Is there's more than one way, there's more than one perspective. If we can bring and I learned together, from it. We can leverage. But you learn from, from it. it. I learned yep. from it, right? And I'm here today to tell you guys how I messed up with it. Um, and I'm willing to own that and willing to, you know, let everybody know that, you know, I'm, I'm still learning from that as well. Introspection is not a common human trait. That's <laughs> true. We need to change that, though. We absolutely, absolutely need to change Agreed. that. So I love that. Thank you. So I think one of the things that we've been talking about is that ageism is rife throughout our society and culture, right? The language we use, the assumptions that we still perpetrate, referring to our elders like they're these fragile creatures that need to be preserved. And on the flip side, we have youth always accused of making trouble, heads in phones, nowhere near as good as the generations that came before them. So nobody's really a winner, right? How do we move out of that, especially in the workplace when it's so ingrained culturally? And I know we've talked a little bit about some of those tips and tricks of what we can do ourselves, but what about as an organization? If we haven't developed that culture from the very beginning, how do we start to change that? And how, as we as individuals within that organization that want to start that change, how do we do it? Because like we said before, speaking up comes with potentially some consequences and not everybody's going to do it. Lavinia? Well, what I think, I think Leonis touched on some uh, key points about accountability um, to self, um, taking the risks. Um, I also think, okay, so let me, so with, we've been talking a lot in the context of work. So I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in the blockchain space. And, and as I mentioned before, like um, I have a big focus on getting women returnees, women who have lost their confidence 
mainly because I've been out of the workplace for a number of years because I've been bringing up children, just taking time off work for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, there are jobs in the blockchain space, um, but there's also a lot of innovation and that calls on entrepreneurial spirit. So one of the things I aim to do and, and the, the kind of age group I focus on is like 35 upwards. So I do think there's a lot of focus on, you know, um, young people coming or just people coming because you get people going back to university now or ages it isn't a set rule of 18 to 21 mm -hmm. people go back to university or a study at a later time in age um a later time in their in their life process rather than age per se but ultimately um I have a focus for 35 onwards women like I said who've lost maybe have lost their confidence and just given them the confidence back to come in this space because they do have value. And I do think the blockchain space is maybe a bit more open-minded than say maybe the centralized, more traditional. Um, but ultimately, it, confidence is a big thing, irrelevant yeah. of your age. Confidence is such a big thing. If you walk into a room with that energy that I've got this, I know who I am, I know what I can bring to the table. Some people will like it, some people won't. But people won't focus on your age. They'll focus on that. I personally think they'll focus on that energy, how they made, you know, there's that saying, isn't it? Um, I might not remember your name, but I know how you made me feel. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like this person can do the job. Not, I feel this person's age can do the job, you know? Well, and I think it's important work of what you're doing, because I think when we think about, you know, um, some of the generations uh, were born with a cell phone in their hand versus yeah. some generations that were absolutely not like ours, right? And so some of that technology and innovation is extremely intimidating. But then those, those people wouldn't go for these. They wouldn't necessarily come into the space looking for a job. They may come into the space wanting to know more about blockchain or wanting to know more about crypto, but not to be employed. So there is no barrier, but in regards to work, you know, I, I'm, I'm never going to want to be a driver, a, a truck driver. That's just, I hate driving. I could drive. <laughs> Irrelevant of my age, I do not want to learn. I don't want to ever be a truck driver. So, you know, not everybody is going to want to work in a certain field. And I also touch on Leona's point. She's been working it with tech all of her life. So there's some young people who don't understand tech, don't like tech, you know? So it's different degrees of tech and which tech we're talking about as well. And that's a great point. But one of the barriers that I was kind of thinking about is how we think about ourselves, right? And whether blockchain is even a possibility for us at a specific age or something like that, right? So that's kind of what I was getting at as to why your work is so very important because that kind of industry can be intimidating to somebody who's 40 or 45 that didn't grow up with a cell phone in their hand, but it's definitely a possibility. And one of the barriers around that is how we think about age and how we think about what we're capable of and what we're not capable of. So Rebecca, I want to bring you into this conversation because have like from a culture perspective and an organization perspective, have you worked with an organization or have you seen an organization and what does that look like 
you know, what does that culture look like? What does the culture need to look like so that we do get rid of this bias and any of the isms and the ageisms and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah, I've I've been a part of of some organizations, really on both end of the, both ends of the spectrum. Um, awesome. And and you know, I, I'll say that some of the most inclusive organizations I've been with have been those that have internal mentorship programs that have internal. Um, I guess, practices or cultures where they're bringing people from all different segments of the business together to work conclusively together. And what that does is that brings all different generations together, all different uh, cultures together, and you're already developing, those those organizations already have a diverse, if you will, um, talent pool within, which just subliminally, like subconsciously already opens up people's minds to, you know, young working with the old, with, you know, uh, women working with men, women on leadership teams, men on, you know, and, and you having this, uh, you know, what I saw was a um, much more open-minded workplace environment than organizations I've been with where that wasn't the case, where you saw women in, in these traditional administrative roles and men only in the leadership positions. And you're looking up the corporate ladder and saying, where's my reflection? Um, and, and, you know, there's two different spectrums there. I think, so if I had any advice, you know, I think your earlier question was, how do we move out of these divided workplace environments and into workplace where you see integrated kind of um, people of all different aspects. And I think it's, you have to, you know, we've been talking about it this whole time. It's all about the culture and what sort of court culture are you developing? Um, and Lavinia talked about it. Leona talked about it. Our ability to be able to speak um, openly and candidly. You, you mentioned earlier in your statement, Sarah, about consequences. Um, I think having a workplace environment where you don't have to fear the consequences. You can say something and it's encouraged to have a dialogue if perhaps what comes out isn't necessarily appropriate to have dialogue for productive output so that there's a change that is only going to help develop a culture where we can speak candidly we can learn from one another um, because if there's just immediate consequences and you're out there's no opportunity to repair right there's no opportunity to self-develop um, and so organizations I've been a part of where that was prevalent I think are are probably the most promising and, and good models to to apply both uh, personally and at home and with her in our own entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And like knowing that people are only staying in positions for one to four years, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal and people will leave and they will, you know, take it upon themselves to make it known by leaving that organization. And that costs the company money, right? Through training and having to find new people and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it really merits a conversation. It really merits some change making within organizations for us to change those conversations. Lisa, do you have anything that you want to add into this? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I think we also have to think too that like I know there's been a shift and lots of people have left the workforce and they're going to return. But I found an interesting stat that said like 60% of older workers will return in some form of fashion, like be it contract work or project work or part-time work. So I think it's going to become even more of an issue as we go through this, you know, time that we're in and people are going to start actually coming back. I think it's going to be even more prevalent that we focus and, you know, be open to these discussions and 
what can we do to change it going forward? Absolutely. So one thing that having a completely different topic each month on Blended has taught me is that within the world of diversity and inclusion, particularly in the workplace, we are more aware of the rights and movements of certain groups than others. So based on some past episodes, I think women, people of color, some areas of both uh, uh, of both the disabled and the LGBTQIA plus communities are making progress and gaining some visibility, although there's still a long way to go. And at the same time, we have groups like veterans or trans folks and other areas of the disabled community who are really kind of lagging at times almost invisible and not getting the recognition and support they need. And so I think ageism falls really into that second category. We don't hear enough about it when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And so how do we get ageism on equal footing within the diversity and inclusion conversation? Right? Like it's not something that we really talk about a lot. Anybody? So I'll, I'll jump in and get it started. I think one of it is, you know, is having conversations like this, uh, not only in the workplace, but also at home and, in, and with your friends, right? I, I always, it's always interesting to me that how much people try and separate their the workplace versus the rest of, of their community. And, and really, it, it's you need to, to, to recognize that you don't become a different person when you walk into work. You may have a different focus or what you're doing, but you're still you. And so, you know, being able to bring that awareness into both of those situations and help to bring them forward. And also, you know, with each of us, it's been said a couple of times, each of us sort of checking our own biases and thinking, and then helping raise awareness to say, you know what? Hey, I'm, I may have actually made an assumption. Could you help correct it? Like, or, or, hey, you know, I heard you say something that doesn't sound right to me. Can we have a conversation? Um, you know, it, you, you may not be able to do it every single time, but every time you do it, you help move the, the needle forward. And so if we can do it as a collective, then we're all going to be able to help move it further along the way very quickly. But, it, but I, I would say I encourage people is don't look at work and, and life as two separate things. Work is part of your life, right? And so yeah. how do you bring your entire life and your entire self into everything you're doing? Well, and you don't walk into 65 from 64, you know, right. a completely different person. I mean, let's just be honest with that. And I think the other thing too is when we're thinking about supplier diversity uh, programs, do we need a category for, you know, businesses that are owned by the older generation? Do we? I don't know. Brendan, you're shaking your head. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think as a, as one of the older people here, I don't feel the need for it, but that's just me. Uh, I think that Leona's point is is pretty strong. I think we have to challenge bias. I think we have to challenge cognitive bias. I think we have to challenge bias in conversation at, at all opportunities. And I get in trouble for it. I get in trouble for it in my house. I get in trouble for it sometimes when I when I visit my friends. Um, for, you know, maybe for Lavinia, who isn't involved in the political climate, or even yourself, Sarah, the political climate in the United States is positively toxic right now. And it's about having to, to create, it's about creating non-toxic conversations, healthy conversations, conversations that include conversations that, that challenge bias. And People don't like to have their biases challenged. Mm -mm. Certainly not by me, anyway. It's my experience. But even even technology, I think there's a bias about technology that Lavinia yes. was talking about. Mm -hmm. And we talk about technology, and we automatically we automatically lump 
technology into only things that are electronic. Mm -hmm. And the truth is technology has been around for as long as humanity has been around. And technology is always evolving. And people, we, we, we evolve technologically much more quickly than we evolve humanitarily. And I think that's it. We have to bring the humanity back into it and challenge bias at all levels across all spectrums, all, all parts of the conversation, rage, ace, politics, religion, everything, and just challenge the bias and let people be who they are. So one thing, and I, I, I appreciate you for saying that. I know Lavinia was definitely nodding her head to some of the stuff that you were saying. And I think a lot of this conversation that we've had today is really about bias that other people have towards other people. But what about the mindset? And what about the bias that we have of ourselves, which I kind of brought up a little bit earlier in regards to technology and age, thinking that potentially we wouldn't fit into that, that industry because of our age, or we wouldn't be able to learn about it or things like that. So I think, yes, there's a conversation that needs to be had around bias and calling other people out potentially about their bias. But I think we also have to be open to being called out on our own biases and our own mindsets and what we stop ourselves from doing. Because when we do that, we project it out into the world. But Sarah, that's hard. I know, but that doesn't help us make the impact and the change that we want to make if we don't start within. So I just wanted to sort of throw that out there. Does anybody else want to jump on what Leona and Brandon said before we move on? Rebecca. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just kind of echo what you're saying, Sarah. I mean, there's um, self-reflection is a very difficult thing. And we're not really taught that growing up, right, as kids. Um, so I think in, in looking at this, I, I think, I don't remember who it was, might have been Lavinia earlier on said, you know, we're not going to see the change tomorrow. We're not going to see the change complete next week. I think it's going to be generations. We probably, none of us will probably be around to see what this ideal world without all these isms looks like. Um, but, but I, yeah, say right. <laughs> but, but I think if, if at home and in our personal lives and into the workplace and into wherever our lives may go, we can first look inward and catch ourselves and have the, the courage to vocalize us catching ourselves like you did, Sarah, earlier in the conversation. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that because not only are we taught certain things at home, whether conscious or subconscious, but our experiences also define these biases and stigmas in our heads um, that then get placed out into the universe, if you will. Um, so teaching self-reflection, I think will have a massive, massive impact on the direction of, of this future outlook we're trying to all achieve. I, for example, I grew up in a very traditional uh, Latin and Italian household where you know, cultural family norms were very strict. Women had very particular roles. You know, um, my parents, my grandparents, they all, you, you see a lot of isms, let's just say, in, in my culture, um, the one in which I grew up in. And those isms were perpetuated on me as a kid. And they were perpetuated on me as a kid by the adults in my life, right? And, and so I've grown up now into my 30s and I have these biased 
perceptions in my head that the adults, right, the, those older than me have all these perceptions and these biases and they're not open-minded and all that. I'm constantly challenging myself to have the courage to speak to those older than me about the positions, the thoughts, and the processes that are both wrong or right and challenging and not. And um, it's very difficult, right, you, to, yeah. to, to tackle the culture and the adults who raised you. Yep. Or, or both sides of the story have to be open. Right. And that and that just like Brendan was saying, you know, he he has the courage to speak to his friends and his family, um, but he gets it's not so open in return. Right. And we've got to always maybe that's yeah. So there's two things here. As I'm talking out loud, there's the courage to self-reflect, or not courage to self-reflect. There's the teaching yep. of self-reflection, but then there's the courage to always face routinely pushback on yep. on that. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And you've all showcased courage by just being on this particular episode today. And you're going to show courage when you spread this episode out into the world, you know, and share it with your community and share it with the people that are closest to you in your lives. So to wrap up, I would like every one of you to... Um, talk about maybe one thing that you've learned from the conversation today and also one thing that you would like the audience to walk away from this conversation with maybe something tangible that they can put into action right away or something that you'd like them to reflect on or really think a little bit more about so who am I going to start with um Leona you look ready to go thanks Sarah um so in some ways, a lot of what I heard today was reinforcing, right? And 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 I and and maybe that's because of just you know, Brandon touched on it. My life has always been so diverse. I was, I didn't have a choice in this matter, but I think it is being willing and able to um, let yourself continue to grow and get to know more people and to get to better understanding and really take that time to 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 just sort of see when something doesn't sort of sound right, fit right, it doesn't go ahead, is take that as an opportunity to learn more and, and really to, to, to grow. And always that, and that other one of just, you know, the person who's being discriminated against, the person who's being biased against or whatever, is often not the person who's in power to make the change. You know, so whatever you can do to help support each other is going to help elevate that voice. And it really is going to be the collectivist that's going to make the change, not not any one individual. And so how do we sort of continue to build those and build those relationships and bring people together? And the other thing is recognize not everybody's in the same place. You, you get, yep. People have to take the time and evolve. And if you, if you get pissed off at somebody and you walk away from them because they're not as far down that path as you are, then you've left them there. So how do you help bring them forward? Because that's part of what our role is, is to help bring people forward no matter where they are. Right, and be able to help move that together. So that that that's probably one of the things about having people take that take away as well is, think of what you can do to help further this conversation, but also help further those around you to be able to make progress and make things better, and to be able to help work with people, work and know people who are from much better, different backgrounds and much broader communities. It's really an important thing to I would say for everyone. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Lavinia. So what I will take away from this. Uh, touching on what Leona said is the reinforcement of that. Well, first of all, that ageism is still here. It's always, well, we hope it won't always be here, but it is here. Um, and of course, it's so intrinsically linked to biases and all the other isms, of course. 
So it's self-awareness, and this is what Rebecca, you, Sarah, and Yona were touching on. Self-awareness that you can learn from your elders, but your elders can also learn from the young. And it's just about respect and also not playing the victim as well, you know, in the sense of um, I'm not being heard or I'm not being listened to because I'm young and I'm not being heard or listened to or respected because I'm older, you know. I think there's always different elements that come into it so self-awareness to be able to take a step back and look at it from a 360 um you know degree it is very important um i think that also uh what i would like people to do is to just read as well you know there's a lot of information out there um that help you you know i'm not an expert in this I, what i and I, what I just do is I do my best to be as inclusive as possible. And like I said, I do have a focus on an age range because I do think those that age range, particularly for women, it's like they're written off. And I don't like that because I'm that age and, you know, I've got so much life in me. Um, and there's so many women who are my age, older, and they have so much life in them. And I want them to gain the confidence and feel confident. But if you are lacking that, then you need to be proactive in building up your own confidence in yourself and your own abilities. So um, that's what I would I would say. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Brendan, you're next. Thank you. Um, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to process right here. Um, yes. <laughs> I think that that our biases go back a long way. Uh, and I think that, that they're rooted in, in, in humanitarian tribalism going back for millennia. And it's going to take a long time uh, to, to get away from those. I think that uh, shades of something Rebecca said about eventually living in a world where these problems are solved. I hope you're right about that. I'm not going to hold my breath and I'm not going to give up. We'll con I'll continue to try to work on challenging my own biases and to some degree, the biases of others, but I can only go so far with that. And I'm not always, I'm not always so skilled in that. And so I I appreciate that we had this that we have this discussion. Uh, I appreciate Sarah that you continue this discussion month after month with other people, and I hope that we leave our own little mark as we continue to move through the world. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, for every single one of you, just showing up today mm -hmm. is a very 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 big deal. You know, sharing authentically. And I appreciate that you shared that with us, Brendan, because all of these things that you have done today has shown courage, and I'm talking about everybody here, has shown courage and bravery and selflessness and a passion and a willingness to be a part of the impact for change. And that is a really, really, really big deal. Thank you, Sarah, but I'd also like to challenge you. Okay. Um, you've brought on five panelists who are clearly like-minded. And I don't know 
if you had intended for me to be the spoiler on here, but in future channels, I would appreciate it if you would bring more challenging perspectives across the table, because all five of us agreeing with each other isn't going to isn't going to provide a lot of change. So that's my challenge to you okay. is the next time you're having this discussion, bring somebody on who maybe doesn't share the same perspective. Okay. Yeah, that's some that's some really great feedback. And you know, it's funny though that you say that because a lot of times we do challenge each other's view within this discussion. But what I really like about all of these discussions is the respectful challenging and the different perspectives and things like that. So I don't think it necessarily has to be aggressive. I'm not saying that that's what you're saying for us to really recognize being challenged. Um, but I do agree with you that, you know, but at the end of the day too, is that I'm bringing all people that have never met before together. And so the, the what I can say to you is that there's magic in that. So there's magic in the fact that people will agree with each other and find things that maybe you've said or they've said that bring people together. There's magic, magic in that. There's also magic in being able to challenge respectfully. And so I definitely appreciate the feedback. Um, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to get because again, I've sometimes never met you and you have all never met your met each other. And so it's it's just really fun to sort of see where there's com those conversations go. But I definitely appreciate that feedback. Rebecca, over to you. Thanks, uh, Sarah, on that note, I think you you lucked out with five very, very opinionated, but similarly uh, people on ageism on this panel today. Maybe yep. that's perhaps why you, you didn't end up with some conflicting kind of positions. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, it's not like any of us filled out a check sheet and said like, this is where we stand on this or that. And, that's true. Um, Maybe I yeah, need to no, start a Google no, no, next time. No, no, and, and I don't know that you need to. I think that the spontaneity <laughs> of not knowing what you're gonna get into keeps these podcasts very authentic as they, as they yeah. are. But um, I guess my you asked for two reflecting comments and, and I will say that I hope all of us, I, this is something I say to myself every morning and all of your listeners, um, always remain humble. Um, humbleness results in open-mindedness and I think having humility throughout everything in life allows us to absorb different perspectives and and different opinions and and be able to have fluid and productive conversations and the other would just be to constantly seek self-improvement and to the point of ageism you know um I think Brendan said it earlier the young always think that they're invincible and when you get to a certain age um, in your in your senior years, you probably think you don't know you know it all, right? You you um, have all the answers, but if you're constantly seeking self improvement, um, I think that there was there will be some positive outcome, um, and that's what I will will leave you with. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's super important. I think the other thing to recognize as well, when I'm picking guests for these particular conversations. There are people that will ask me who's going to be on the, who are the other guests? And I don't tell them because I want to eliminate bias in these kinds of conversations. And it's those people that could be the challenging people, right? The people that are going to challenge the conversations and challenge the perspectives. But if they're going to come into the conversation with already preconceived bias, it's not really a good thing to be part of these conversations as well. And, and there's also a lot of people who, 
do want a challenge that might not be open to be able to being authentic and having these kind of conversations and, and having perspectives. And I encourage them to reach out to me um, if they do have, you know, perspectives that they do want to challenge, reach out to me because I'd love to have you on the show. And that's one thing that I want to want to say, because to Brandon's point, you know, I I go out to my network. And so if there's other people that want to be involved and want to challenge perspectives, I want them to give me a call as well. But I will not tell you who's going to be on your panel. Lisa, last but absolutely not least. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much, everybody. I've really enjoyed the group discussion today. And it really, uh, so many valuable points. I love how Leona touched on the fact that, you know, we've got to include our work lives and our personal lives in these uh, challenges and how we view biases and going forward. And I appreciate, Sarah, that you provide the platform for us to, you know, give self-reflection, like Rebecca mentioned, um, and Leona, where, uh, you know, and Levina, where we have growth and opportunities and Brandon examples that you've uh, provided as well. So, yeah, so going forward, I'm just going to continue to educate myself, ask more questions, and appreciate the fact that we have an opportunity to share our voices and go forward with this and hope that it encourages others to open up to, you know, all these biases that we're all facing every day. And hopefully that, you know, maybe companies include these uh, bias training in their initiatives going forward, which may also help all of us uh, championing a safe environment for others. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you so much. So thank you so much to Brendan, Rebecca, Lavinia, Lisa, and Leona for joining me today. It's been another fascinating discussion, and it has really made me think twice about maybe some of the assumptions that I had. I think it's something I'm definitely going to go back home and talk to my stepchildren about and my family about. And that's why I love doing this show, you know, diving into other people's experiences, leaning into empathy, opening up to new points of view. It's what opens up all of our minds and makes us all better employees, leaders, entrepreneurs, and people. Don't forget that you can reach out to me or any of the guests on social media if you have any questions or want to talk more about anything that we've covered today. Thanks again to our sponsor, Apex. We could not do this without you. And don't forget to join us again next time for episode 16 of Blended, when we'll be diving into more thought-provoking issues around diversity, inclusion, and equality. You don't want to miss it and I'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.